Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. In support of and celebration of Children's Mental Health Week, I've got a really, really special episode for you guys. And it's my absolute pleasure to introduce to you some of the team from Navigo who provide services and support for mental health and well-being across North East Lincolnshire. And what makes this episode so special is that it's not adults talking about young people's mental health. It is young people themselves sharing their experiences and their lessons learned and their advice for us moving forward to help us create the best possible services that we can for our young people. Sometimes I'm nervous to get involved in certain awareness days or spread certain messages on particular days because I never want to fall into that performance allyship. I don't want to do it just because it's a certain week or a certain day. But why I said yes to this is that I have got three children, three teenagers, all in secondary school. I've got at the time of recording my eldest about to do her GCSEs. I've got my middle daughter who lives with a kidney disorder about to choose her options for her GCSEs. And my youngest is currently in the first year of secondary school and she's got type 1 diabetes. So obviously I want to do everything I possibly can to support my children's mental health. And I also sit on the advisory group for the Diabetes UK initiative called Together Type 1, which is an initiative where young people are creating services and support for people living with type 1 diabetes. So it is a subject matter close to my heart. So without further ado, let's jump in. I've got a rather exciting and different podcast for you guys this week in support of Children's Mental Health Week. So we've got a bit of a panel going on and I will ask each person to introduce themselves as we go along. So Sarah, so Sarah is no stranger to the Business of Healthcare podcast. Sarah's been on the podcast before and Sarah, you kindly reached out to me. Could you remind our listeners who you are, what you do now, because your role has changed since you've been on the podcast and what made you reach out to me? Yeah, thanks, Tara. So my name is Sarah Everisford, and I'm one of the programme directors for the Health and Care Partnership in North East Lincolnshire, and that's the collaboration of providers in the area. I'm hosted in Navigo, which is why I do a lot of work with Navigo. I reached out to you, Tara, because Amy and I share a love of podcasts, and we're at an event recently, and we were sharing which ones we like, and it got me thinking about your fab podcast. 
And could we do something with young people around mental health and time it for Children's Mental Health Week? Because there's some great stuff happening in North East Links supporting children with mental health and mental illness. And I really wanted to give the young people a bit of a platform to share their feelings and views and to raise the profile of mental health and mental illness so they can share some of their experiences with professionals and the wider public. And having been on your podcast before, I know how much you put me at ease. I knew you'd be fab at interviewing the young people and and supporting them. So yeah, that's why I reached out. Well, I really appreciate it, but I do feel very nervous. I don't want to let you down. What is Navigo? So Navigo is a social enterprise. It's owned by its members and its members are the staff, the service users and the local community. Amy will correct me, I'm sure, because she's worked for Navigo for a long time. But I think back in 2010-ish, they were the old NHS Mental Health Trust and then developed into becoming a social enterprise and very much having the ethos of sort of service user first. And locally, they're a very well-respected organisation in North East Links. So, Amy, what's your role in Navigo and what attracted you to want to work there? I think for me, being a local person for North East Lincolnshire, I wanted to work with an organisation that really has that ethos of doing things right for the service users, doing things right for the local community and putting back. So I've worked for Navigo since it became Navigo. So 2009, I joined. My role is co-production and engagement lead now for children and young people and helping them have a say in services that we provide, helping them have a voice and working with people like Sarah at the Healthcare Partnership and raising the profile of young people across North East Lincolnshire. And I really enjoy it and I really relish that kind of challenge as well. So when you say that you're helping to co-produce services, can you give us an example of a service that you have recently developed or you've reviewed? Yes. So recently we made and have a youth movement now. So the youth movement is like a Navigo youth board for young people up to the age of 25. And what we did last week was we helped review a welcome booklet and the young people got to input in on that service. And then they also sat down with the manager on Friday. And as a complete finisher, got the feedback direct to the manager on what they wanted to improve on that booklet. It touched on things like neurodiversity, how to be more welcoming, changing the wording, maybe more pictures. So that's just one example of what we're trying to help improve that journey for younger people into our services. Great. Okay, so adults, you guys need to get out of the way. (laughs) And now on to the good stuff. So I am welcomed by three amazing young people that support the charity or work in the charity. So I'm going to kind of come to you one by one. So let's start with Adam. Adam, would you be able to share a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Adam. I've been a volunteer with Navigo for maybe a few months. In that time, I've been in the inclusion groups and helping with feedback on the booklet that Amy was just talking about. Can you tell me a little bit about, is it, it's called Doc Beers? I had Doc Beers. That was suggested to me by my housing manager as just a way to get out of the house more. And um, every second Wednesday of the month, they do this open house event where anyone can just pop along for a chat just mind making new friends it's a really like relaxed space and it's just a really nice place to be i'm in charge of the music funnily enough because i'm pretty sure i'm 100 percent tender <laughs> but whilst i'm just mixing the music everyone else is either doing quizzes coloring drawings sitting back playing any instruments that are provided 
all refreshments are free. It's just a massive get together for basically everyone and just have a chat. I go as often as I can. So, um, with it being every second Wednesday of the month, it's really easy just to plan ahead. And when you first had the opportunity to go, did you go by yourself? I initially went with my housing manager to help my anxiety. And after about two hours, they had gone off to a meeting that they had to go to. And I didn't even realize that they left. I was just sat there talking with everyone. If your housing manager hadn't have gone with you, would you have gone? Probably not. I wasn't really leaving the house that much at that point in time. Even the thought of going outside would have sent my anxiety through the roof. And so do you feel going to Doc Spears has really helped with your anxiety? Yeah, it's really brought it down and brought some level of confidence with me. Excellent. Robin, would you be able to share a little bit about what brought you to Navigo? Yeah, so I actually started coming to the inclusion group when it first started three years ago at this point now. And I eventually became a volunteer through that, wanting to help with the group itself because it did help me so much. But through that, I've done all sorts of things. I've done like the AGM with the seminar back in September. I've helped with interviews. I've helped with that leaflet like Amy mentioned, a youth ambassador for the Youth Movement Board. And I've had the opportunity to go to all sorts of events, like the Nothing About Us Fowers events. So yeah, I've sort of done all sorts. I started out just coming to a group and it sort of expanded. So when we first met, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this is I've got three children. Tia, my eldest, is at secondary school. She's doing a GCSE. I've got Layla in the middle and my youngest daughter, Talia, has got type 1 diabetes. And just the mental toll on managing a long-term condition and not many people understand it because you can't see it. And I didn't understand it until Talia had got it. I'd never really come across it. Do you have any experience or can you relate to having a long-term condition and also having kind of sometimes challenges with your mental health? Yeah, definitely. I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, hypermobile type and fibromyalgia. So I have a lot of problems with joints, with chronic pain. I have mobility issues. It does take a big toll because when you're young, you want to just be like all the rest of your friends. You want to be able to go out and, you know, do whatever you want. But when you've got mobility issues, you can't just go walking around wherever you want. You can't go out with them. If you've had a dislocation or a hospital stay or something, you, you just can't be like them. So it does take a toll on your mental health. The opportunities for young people with long-term conditions who also suffer with their mental health is quite lacking at the moment. So when you go to see your healthcare professionals, do you feel in your experience, have you been met with a positive approach? I think it definitely depends on the person that I see. I've had a few really good doctors in the past, but a majority of the time, it's usually fairly negative. I've been told all sorts of things. My pain's all in my head. And to positive thing, I can't have pain relief because I'm too young. I do think there needs to be a lot of attitude change toward young people with these sort of conditions. It doesn't really help mental health when the baseline healthcare isn't the best. So where you said you met a few doctors when you did have a positive interaction, what did they say and how did it make you feel that left you feeling like that was positive? The main point is they believed me. They believed everything I told them. Even if I said, I think I've got this, they didn't immediately say, 
no, you haven't. They'd go, actually, I think it might be this. Let's get you some help for this. A lot of the negative interactions that I've had, it's been shut down immediately. We don't believe you. We're not going to listen to you because you're not telling us the truth. We think you're faking it. The good doctors I've had, they believe everything because they believe that the patient's the expert of their own body, which is the truth. If I'm saying something, I'm not saying it to get anything. I'm saying it because like how I'm feeling. Thank you. I'll come back to you. Sam, would you be able to share a little bit about yourself and what brought you to Navigo? I'm Sam, the, and I'm the LGBT plus befriender for Navigo. What brought me to Navigo, when I was growing up, I always had an interest within mental health because where I lived, there was such a stigma around it. And I always believed that people should be able to receive help without fear of judgment. And when I moved to North East Lincolnshire, I obviously discovered Navigo that did such a thing. And I was approached to do this role with a vacancy coming up and myself being in the community. So when we first spoke, we had a really good conversation. We were talking about being misgendered. You'll go into your appointment and they will accidentally get your gender wrong or how you like to be identified incorrectly. Can you just share with our audience and our audience are healthcare professionals. So be as direct and honest and as frank. So they really understand your point of view and your experiences. My experiences have been very different depending on where I go. Obviously, my legal name has changed, pronouns have changed, title has changed, but obviously my sex remains the same. With sex and gender be different, of course. When it came to my doctors, the receptionists and nurses were actually very accepting and very encouraging about me being who I am and finding myself. I found that the nurses and the receptionists took more care, more understanding, whilst the doctors at my practice, it took them a bit of a while. They will refer to me as Sam Samantha, but they are still misgendered me all the time. They use the wrong pronouns. When I go to hospital, which Touchwood hasn't been recently, but when I go there, it's all the time. And for someone who doesn't identify with their assigned sex of birth, it's actually quite traumatizing in a way. It's very depressing. You know, you are coming out being who you've always been, if you like, coming out of your shell. And people just aren't accepting who you are and carry on saying that basically, no, you are this. When you're not, you know who you are and you'll correct them. People make mistakes, that's fine. We understand people make mistakes. But then doing it purposely, that's wrong. Be honest and accept people for who they are. Thank you. From a social media perspective, on one hand, one could argue the fact that we have got social media, we have got information at our fingertips, that from a kind of social movement perspective, we talk a lot about mental health. But what are some of the negatives around social media that you have encountered and that your peers and your colleagues would have encountered that kind of hinder their progress when it comes to mental health? First off, it's not all negatives when it's social media, but there are the negatives. And there are the people that will bully you and harass you for identifying a certain way for being who you are. For example, personally, I got a lot of private messages coming through. I had people trying to post to my wall, trying to get my account shut down. As much as social media is out there and as it pros and its cons, that really does have an effect on you. Because people can find you now easier than they could 10, 20 years ago. 
And when you've got not one, but two, but tens of people coming to you and messaging you with threats, with hate, you know, it does take an effect on you and it does affect your mental health. Adam, I can see you nodding. Can you share some of your experiences? How much social media do you feel like you use on a daily basis? I won't be able to really put it all down to a specific number, but um, I'd say I spend a good few hours on social media. The things that you see on there that are against LGBT or people that feel the way they do is really quite painful to see. Uh, if that's the right word or not. And like the hurtful comments that you see online against the LGBT is actually really surprising. People just can't accept it. And I can only imagine how these people are feeling because I know if I was to receive a comment or a message like that, yeah, I'd say it would send me into quite a depressive state as well. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you proudly in partnership with 10,000 donors and their Gob for Good campaign. Gob for Good is all about getting as many people as possible to join the stem cell registry. Only 3% of the UK are registered to be stem cell donors and only 0.4% of the global population. If you or a loved one have the devastating news that you have been diagnosed with a blood cancer, the chances of you finding your blood stem cell match is significantly reduced if you have a minority ethnic heritage. It is really, really simple. All you need to do is click into the show notes or visit the Gob for Good website at gobforgood.com and get yourself signed up to the registry. You could one day receive that life-saving call or one day you may need that life-saving call. Now, let's jump back into this week's episode. Sarah, what do you think your biggest learning lessons have been since working at Navigo? The health and care partnership, with it being a collection of organisations, Navigo were the one who volunteered to host the roles that cross cover the different organisations. But the work that I've done with Navigo and managing Navigo, the bit for me is the putting the service user first and, and at the heart of what they do. And I think roles like Amy's and Amy does a fantastic job of working with the young people and making sure that whenever there is going to be a service change or a service improvement or some transformation that the young people are involved they cover all ages Navigo do so you know making sure that service users are involved and it's been a brilliant piece of work that my colleagues Louise worked really closely with so we've got a group of experts by experience in all these things, specifically who have got lived experience of mental health and mental illness. And they led the development of a new all-age strategy for mental health, all co-produced. We had an event last February and Kat, who at the time worked with the experts by experience, she said, we're going to put on an event to co-produce the strategy and bring professionals together. It was a listening event. Tell professionals across the health and care partnership what you want to see differently, the things that needed to be included, good experiences, bad experiences. Tell me about the worst and the best events you've been to. And they first said, absolutely no PowerPoint, no slides. Nobody wants to be a death by PowerPoint. So that was great. So the whole event and then the strategy was co-produced by the experts by experience. And now they're in the stage of implementing it. So it, it's all age. Very much, I'd say, started with kind of the adult focus, but absolutely is including young people. And I think 
people like Amy working with Robin, Sam and Adam and, and lots of other young people who, who are involved as well. It's really good. Robin, in Navigo, is it easy to attract young people to the services that you guys provide and you guys support? I think yes and no. There has been effort to do it through social media posting and stuff, but I think there's still a long way that can go. It's pretty hard for groups like inclusion to attract people. You have to sort of get into the colleges, into the schools to sort of hand out leaflets and make people aware because otherwise they don't really know. You're not really going to go on Instagram and the first thing you search up is going to be Navigo's account. So a lot of people aren't actually seeing the post unless they're already aware of Navigo. It's both easy and hard in a way. What things have you guys done that worked? Last one that I was at was an event at Grimsby University. It was a all-day student event, but we also have a stall at the back with all of the youth engagement stuff that we had going on, so like the youth board and the Children's Mental Health Week event that's going on and inclusion. I think that was all three of them. And we were just handing flyers out and talking to people that were there. And I think that worked fairly well. There was also another one at Franklin College. So there's been quite a few of those. And then Navigo had been at Freeman Street Pride. Just to come in on Robin's question there, as co-production manager, I think what works is making it bespoke to the individual. We have WhatsApp groups. I send individual messages. We do have the social media, but sometimes it's parents, isn't it? Because yeah. that's how your mum found inclusion, yeah. that look on our social media pages and things like that. So I think for me, it's about one child there with the young person talking to them, asking them what method of communication they prefer after that initial contact and making sure you get that right. And I still think one of the best achievements was when we went to York in August, we had 25 young people arrive at the bus stop at half past seven in the morning. And that was done through communication on WhatsApp and communication individually and how they wanted to, to communicate. So I think if professionals are listening to this, make it bespoke, use your work phone, get it out there, use WhatsApp, because I don't think young people use Facebook much. <laughs> I've been told it's an old person thing now. Instagram and TikTok and, and those kind of methods. And even email really works for young people. Listen to them and, and find out what they want. Okay. So from meeting you guys the first time, then I looked around the website and I also went on to the website for Children's Mental Health Week. And there are loads and loads of resources. So as a parent, you guys are making me have conversations with the kids that I wouldn't typically have, I wouldn't usually have. What advice can you give parents? I've got one child that's got type 1 diabetes. I've got a 14-year-old that's got kidney disease. I've got Tia doing her secondary school, doing her GCSEs. How can I be there and not be annoying without me going, are you okay? Are you okay? What are you thinking? What's on your mind? What worked for my mum personally, she made sure that I knew that she was there. It wasn't a constant, are you okay? What's going on? Because to me, that feels very confrontational, like you're trying to get information out. That's how my parents used to be when I was in secondary school. And I hid a lot from them. But as I got older, it was just like, you know, we're here for you. You know, you can talk to us. And my mum's always looking into what's best for me and my brother and sister. She found the inclusion group for me literally like a week after I came out to her because I didn't have anyone to talk to who was like me. So she wanted to find me something like that. So I think it's not so much about constantly asking whether someone's okay. It's about making sure 
you're there for them to speak to if they're not okay. Thank you. Adam, what advice would you give to parents? Very much the same as uh, what Robin was saying. But one thing that my parents did that helped me was if they knew or if they saw that I wasn't able to speak, they said, write it down and hand it to them. And that really helped me because it got me to like really get how, how I was feeling across and in a way that I felt wasn't too confrontational or standoffish. And it was just easier for them to sit and read that and then talk to me about it. Knowing that they had my back and I could just go to them with anything was really helpful at that time. Thank you. And Sam, what advice would you give to parents with teenagers or young people? Be understanding. You see someone and you want to help them, but they may not be ready for that. You know, obviously let them know you're there, but don't push it on them because that might send them off. I can only speak from experience. I grew up in care and my foster carers were very much on me and I'm one of the social worker and social services. And that just mean I didn't want to seek help from them anymore because social were very much all over it. But over time, people will. Yeah, it's scary for you, but imagine what they're going through. Try and understand and be kind. And what one piece of advice would you give to a healthcare professional when supporting a young person with their mental health? For me, it would just be listen and respect. If you're going into healthcare, you're doing it to help people and to treat people as equals. If you're going to do that, you need to listen to what people want, listen to how they want to be referred to and respect that. Beliefs need to be left at the door when you walk into your work and just listen to the patient because if you don't respect the patient if you don't listen to the patient you're not going to find the source of the problem and you're not going to be able to help them thank you adam i almost said listen to them and take on board what said if they think they've got this there's a chance that they might have what they think they have and yeah take that on board and really try and help through that thank you and sam listen to them respect them understand hear where they're coming from they're not just a name on a paper or a number or anything. They're a human being and everyone is different. Treating everyone the same isn't going to work. You need to help people by a case-by-case basis. And yes, that might require more work, but the result at the end of it is rewarding. Thank you. If people want to find out more about Navigo, where should we send them? So it's Navigo Care and it's on our website. And there's an amazing Navigo hub on there. And that's for all different conditions or things that are going on, like cost of living crisis, homelessness, things like that. And on there, it's resourced by people like Robin's help populate the LGBT one with Sam. There's all sorts of experts by experiences help populate these really brilliant, useful information. But obviously, our services are for only people in North East Lincolnshire. We've been asked to spread them all over, but unfortunately, that's something we, we can't do. But yeah, so we're based in North East Lincolnshire. We have a fantastic website and we also have lots of other pathways like text support, crisis support, things like that, but they can all be found on our Navigo Care website. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you thinking of me and I cannot wait to share this. So thank you so much all for your time. so much for joining us if you like what you hear i would absolutely love it if you left us an itunes rating and five star review 
I know many of you give us a shout out on social media, which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast. So please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care, on Instagram and on LinkedIn. Just look for Tara Humphrey. And if you're not subscribed to our newsletter, please do. You get to hear more insights, more confessions, some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week. So click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode. 